It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Welcome to the special wrap-up edition of the Michigan Insider Podcast. We are trying a little something different as we are bringing the podcast to the video stream tonight with a couple of special guests in a breakdown with Steve Lorenz, Bryce Marich, and I breaking down the Michigan signing class of 2021 as the Wolverines had a big day. Uh, They were able to hold on to the commitment of one Mr. Xavier Worthy. They were able to go ahead and add to the fold the top running back in in recent memory to commit to the University of Michigan, an elite prospect, and arguably the top target on the board from start to finish. I mean, when you put Donovan Edwards on the board and add him to J.J. McCarthy, the centerpiece of the class, who we talked to earlier in the day, a guy who was a mainstay, a stating force and presence for the University of Michigan in this obviously uncertain time. The coaching staff, Yeoman's effort to stave off a lot of the negative recruiting that understandably comes anyway, but comes even more when you consider that there is, uh, you know, there's an extension to be signed. And that was a frank discussion that was had with most of the recruits. Some were affected by it as the Wolverines had a couple of casualties in this year's recruiting class. They wound up losing a guy in Quentin Somerville that had been committed for quite some time. You know, he was a guy that was a Sean Nua special, a guy who was really, really tied to the coaching staff and the coaches as much as he was Michigan. I think they made it a bridge too far in order to uh, stay committed. And same thing with Brandon Jennings. But if you consider the uncertainty, the negative recruiting that was going on, and you, if you would have told me a couple of weeks ago that those were the only two players they lost, that they kept Xavier Worthy, that they added Donovan Edwards, and we will find out in a matter of, what, 20 minutes or so? What's going to happen with one Mr. Jaden McBurrows? Feeling pretty good about Jaden. It's been a, a drama-filled march to the end, but the Wolverines are in very good shape, I think. But here's the thing. Not just the Jaden McBurrows show that we're waiting on. You could also say one Mr. Jaden Hood. Jaden Hood, in case you missed it, is a linebacker commit for the University of Michigan. For Lauderdale St. Thomas Aquinas, a young man that he was set to sign in February, hadn't been to the University of Michigan yet. I uh, understand the thought to maybe delay it a bit, but I started hearing rumblings a little bit earlier today that maybe Jaden Hood would sign early. I got to thinking, maybe we should have a special guest on this podcast episode. We will have Bryce Maris joining us shortly. Join us a little down the line. We're also going to have Steve Lorenz joining us a little later. We're going to be taking questions from the crowd, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, as we are simulcasting live on all streams. Uh, But right now, let's add Jaden Hood to the phone. Jaden, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Doing great, man. Glad that you could join us. And so, as I said, I have been hearing earlier in the afternoon that you had kind of reconsidered. You started to think that, hey, maybe, just maybe, I would sign early. So here you are. And it seems like you have some news for the Maize and Blue. Is that right? Yes, sir. Um, I was, like you said, I was attending on signing in February. And I pray 
right? And I woke up this morning and I said, you know, there's no better time to be a Wolverine. So I'm signing today. All right. So Jaden Hood officially in the fold, a thumper of a linebacker. And one of the things that when I came down to see you, Jaden, it was very, very clear as you were making the transition uh, into Aquinas that it's a process, man. It's 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 about learning the system. I mean, you got a lot of great players around you figuring out how you fit into that into that mix. So from where you were when I came to see you to where you are now, kind of talk about your progress in the defense. Yeah, it's it's been a, a, a great process, definitely interesting process. You know, um, like you said, started off trying to understand the process, um, understand the system, get used to it. And then um, when playoffs hit, um, the light kind of went on. And I've been having, uh, you know, really good games. You know, last game, um, I had a lot of tackles, had an interception. So um, it's definitely on, and I'm ready for the States um, Saturday. Yeah, so you guys got – you have some football left. So let's get into the decision on why Michigan. I see your family in the background. This is definitely a family decision. Now, I ask you this when you committed, Jaden. You're a Florida guy. You know, mamas don't necessarily like their babies to go that far away from home. And I can see mom in the background kind of saying, I don't know. So what was it about Michigan that made you comfortable, that made your family comfortable with saying, you know what? You can make this trek. This is the move for you to make, for you to go away from home and go to the University of Michigan. Yeah, so, um, you know, regardless, you know, I have a great relationship with Coach Harbaugh, Coach Brown, Coach BJ. Um, I like them a lot. I like the coaching staff. Um, you know, I like what they did this year, despite what people said. But, um, you know, besides my feelings towards them, um, you know, like it's a business move. So Michigan has a great tradition, um, great at player development. They've been putting a lot of linebackers in the league recently. Um, they got a great, rich history, great network system. Great in academics, and um, and it was just overall just everything I was looking for. So um, for me, it was kind of a no-brainer. All right, and so now as you kind of look at this class, man, a class that has a you know a linebacker talent and a position that really needs guys to be able to come in and be ready to contribute early. Has Michigan talked to you about how you might fit in that mix? What linebacker position they're kind of looking at you for? Yeah, so uh, you know Cam McGrone was there. He was hurt this season, so he didn't play as much, but um. That's the type of linebacker they want. Devin Bush, um, you know, he left. He's in the league right now. That's the type of linebacker they want. That's the type of linebacker they said they need, and they um, they see that in me, and they want me to, uh, you know, come in and do what they did and do it um, and do it my best ability. You know what I mean? They they said that uh, they're not, you know, they won't put me in that fire as soon as I get there. You know what I mean? To go ahead and compete and see what I can do. So um, you know, I'm very thankful for that. They believe in me like that. All right, and so as you as you sort of lay things out. The rest of the way, the rest of your high school career, you guys have a big game, obviously, ahead of you. It seems like, I know when I came to watch you guys play a little bit earlier in the season, you talked about your transition. It really felt like as a team, you guys were still kind of adjusting. I think the squad you guys played had played like three or four games already. Where are you guys as a team now compared to a few weeks ago? Oh, yeah, it's night and day different. I mean, you know, um, you know Coach Taylor, he gives the calls, and everybody knows the calls. You know, we're not confused. No, I probably saw that. You know, everybody's together now. You know, there's a lot of leaders on the defense. So, um, you know, we're not relying on, you know, me. You know, I call the plays, but, you know, everybody gets the calls. You know, they do their own. They do their job. You know, for us, you know, we believe in uh, you're 111. So, um, you know, it, it takes the full defense to win. So um, we really bought into that and it came together. All right. So I got to ask you this question because this is one that I put to all of the guys who decided to go ahead and still sign with Michigan. There was a lot of speculation about the future of the coaching staff. Uh, there was a, a subpar season. Uh, there were schools that were definitely using 
those things, the downturn on the field, the uncertainty about the coaching staff, uh, to really kind of maybe try to wedge some of the, the, the commits out, to make them think twice, to make them, them second guess. Some did. Most of them, like yourself, decided to stay with Michigan. Why is that the case for you? Through all of the speculation about the coaches, through obviously how things didn't go how they wanted on the football field, what made you say, hey, you know what, I'm going to stick with Michigan? Yeah, so um, really what it is is, and like I said, I have you know, great respect, great relationship with Coach BJ, Coach Harbaugh, Coach Brown. But um, like I said, it's a business decision. And, you know, not only do you buy in the coach staff, but you buy into the school and the culture and, you know, and the traditions and everything they have. So, you know, not only did I buy into the coach staff, I actually bought into Michigan itself. So that's, you know, it's not just, you know, I went to the coaching. I, I went because I wanted to go to Michigan. Gotcha. All right. So uh, kind of break down this this state championship game and give us a preview. I know. I mean, it's not just people in Florida that are going to be watching. You got a gang of Michigan fans that are ready to watch as well. So tell us what we can expect to see when Aquinas takes the football field. Yeah. So uh, it's a rematch. You know, Edgebar, we played Edgebar, um, well, St. Thomas did play Edgebar last year. We beat them. Um, they coming back. They mad. And, uh, you know, we're not going to let them come beat us. And I mean, our, like I said, our defense is fired up. And uh, they run the ball a lot, so I'm going to be coming down here all game. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, I, I know you had your family with you. I know if you want to send a message to your fam so everyone can see how much your fam, because no one gets there alone, man. It's not like you did this by yourself. What about your family helping you get here? Yeah, they definitely helped me out a lot. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, like you said, I wouldn't be here without them. They helped me with a lot of decisions. You know, um, I definitely went through rough times during this year, the season, but they were there. They helped me build it back up. They gave me a lot of wisdom and advice and uh, confidence and motivation. And uh, that's kind of where I'm, why I'm here for them. Yeah. I don't know if you can see, I mean, there's so many Michigan fans sending, sending messages to you, Jay, Jay, I can't, I can't keep up with them all. Just know there are hundreds of Michigan fans in here wishing you go blues and welcome to Wolverine nation. Appreciate you coming on with us tonight. Congratulations on being a Wolverine and we will see, we'll see you soon. Young man. Good luck in the state title game. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Congratulations. That's Jaden Hood. All right, so now joining the fold is uh, one Mr. Bryce Marich, part of the crew over at the Michigan Insider. And Bryce, tell me what you think of this class, man. To be honest, I've given all the circumstances. It's pretty impressive. I mean, if you think about it, they've only lost two defensive um, defensive prospects, and that's kind of kind of expected for everything that's going on in terms of just the questions looming around the program of what coaches might be back and, you know, how's the team going to rebound after this and just everything going on. But in terms of what they did, they got their top overall target in Donovan Edwards. They got their number one wide receiver target. They got the number one target from quarterback for them. And offensively, they did 10 times better than probably most thought defensively there's still work in there but there's a lot of good pieces there that can be plug and play like junior colson who's a linebacker and some of these guys are coming in early which will help as well all right so look the wolverines were able to keep xavier worthy in the fold that wound up being huge bryce huge 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 in the grand scheme of things uh a guy who is an electric member of this class and there were you know i, I gotta give the listeners the viewers, the Michigan fans in the mix, a lot of credit. And one of them in particular, Mike T, he says, Sam, Anthony Carter. Now, Bryce, I don't even, I can't even remember watching Anthony Carter live. I mean, I was 
barely, you know, crawling when Anthony Carter played. I remember AC more with the Minnesota Vikings than I do with the University of Michigan, but we've all seen the clips, right? We've all seen the the retro and the throwback games. And when I watch, when I watch Xavier Worthy on the field, man, I, that is an excellent comparison. I mean, he gives you that same elite straight line speed. So he's a guy, 6'1", 160 pounds, can, can uh, 10'5", 500 meter. He says 10'2", 10'3", now, but he's not just a straight track guy. You know, you know how what they say about track guys, you put them on a track, they can go zero to 60 faster than most human beings. But when you put them on a football field, can they change direction? Can they be sudden? Can they cut butter? This kid can do that, too. And you got a chance to see him when you were out in Arizona. Like you said, 10, 555, um, you know, 100 meter dash. He recorded as only a sophomore. So you got to think, too, those numbers would have probably improved his junior and senior season. Um, but when I saw him in Arizona, you know, like you said, that speed is just it's on a whole nother, a whole nother level. Um, it's one of those things of where he just got that he's got that like lightning in a bottle. He's a guy that can take a five-yard slam, like I said, and pick it 60 yards to the house. He's that impressive, and he's sure the field vertically. He can do quite a few things um, with just his overall talent, athleticism, and he's a guy that instantly can come in and help your um, offense from day one as well. Yeah, and then, of course, Donovan. I mean, it was, goes without saying, a huge, huge pledge for Michigan, huge pledge. Uh, recruiting effort, collective recruiting effort for the staff. You know, there's every reason uh, for people to be predicting Georgia, predicting Oklahoma, Notre Dame making a late surge. Uh, but getting out to his press conference today, Bryce, and I know you made your rounds around the state, and I want to dig into that. So we'll get to your yeah. trick shortly. For me, it was West Bloomfield, uh, and it was a jam-packed presser. Donovan Edwards decided to go blue. It was a decision that a lot of people question whether he could really come to with the uncertainty that we talked about. I mean, you know, this offense that he wants to know more about, right? Will they get more uh, passes to the to the running backs? Will you know how how many backs will they rotate? I mean, these are questions that he's putting to the staff. You had other coaches saying, "Well, you're putting these questions to the staff. Is that staff going to be there? I mean, they're telling you you're going to throw the football more to the backs. Are they going to be calling those plays? It's a legit question. It's a legit question." But he ultimately decided that it really didn't matter. Really didn't matter what offense. Really didn't matter what coach. Really didn't matter what scheme. It mattered more to him the opportunity to to be, uh, you know, to be a guy that was part of the change at Michigan. That that was the opportunity you know, to make a mark, and a and a mark that that would be different. Like you could, he could go to Georgia. And be big time, right? There, there's no make. I think he has the kind of talent to have been big time wherever he went. He could have been a big time player at Notre Dame, Oklahoma, any of these schools. But being big time at Georgia as a Michigan kid versus being big time in Michigan as a Michigan kid, I think that difference really rang with him, Bryce. I think that was a big deal in the grand scheme of things. I think you know Ron Bellamy. His coach, who I think, mark this down, Ron Bellamy will be a college football coach. Ron Bellamy should be a college football coach. So somewhere, someone is going to hire Ron Bellamy. He's going to be a hell of a recruiter. He played the game at a, at a high level in the pros. He's obviously a, a high school coach now, ready to make that jump. I think he is. But in the here and now, Michigan was very, very fortunate that he 
was Donovan Edwards' head coach. Not because he pushed Donovan to Michigan. Because I, I think he really was focused on not doing that. He was focused on not making it be all about Michigan. I think the advantage Michigan had with Ron Bellamy there was that he kept the negative recruiting from impacting the recruitment negatively, if you understand what I'm saying. I mean, if if it's just a coach who doesn't give a damn about Michigan, he's letting all those messages about uncertainty about Michigan kind of really sink in and kind of just get let the kid get hammered with that, man. Is Harbaugh going to be there? And, you know, how do you know they're going to be able to keep these these recruits in this class? And you don't know what offense you're going to be running. I mean, you could allow a coach could allow a kid to get bombarded with that. What Ron did was really make each school focus on what they sell. Don't focus on what the other school can't sell. What <laughs> And that did Michigan a huge service. The other thing that he did that really helped Michigan was that I think the most valuable part of recruiting relationships, Bryce, is that to know where you stand. How many times have we noticed in, in recruiting, hey, some, uh, some school is saying they think they're in good shape with Steve Lorenz. They think they're in good shape with Josh Hinchke, you know, top recruits in the country, right? And they aren't anywhere close to the top because they don't have anyone around those recruitments to really give them the low on where they stand. You know, man, you're you're kind of trailing Georgia for this. You you really he's telling you everyone's even, but you're probably trailing Notre Dame. And here's why. Here's what you need to do to improve. That is where Ron Bellamy really helped them. It was a huge, huge deal. And the coaches did a great job of executing on that plan from Jay Harbaugh, who did a tremendous job as his would-be position coach and forging a relationship and really, you know, I, I think answering some of the questions he that 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 Donovan had about from the technical standpoint of running back development. I think that was a big question for him. I think Jim Harbaugh really around January and February got more involved in building a relationship. He always recruited Donovan, but it became more about making that personal touch. And I think the part that he kept hammering is, look, man, you're a, you're a guy from this state. You're the top guy from this state. Do you know what it means if you stay here and you do it big here. It's different. It's different if you do it at home. And I think that that was a big part of the message. I think Josh Gaddis selling the offense was a big part of the message. It was a collective effort. They all deserve huge high marks, Bryce. But if I have to give someone the highest mark in the fold, it's really a Ron Bellamy. I think he did a tremendous job. All right, so Bryce, tell us about your travels, man. It starts out in the morning in the D. Then you make your way all the way across the state to, to East Lansing to catch up with Andre Anthony before coming back to Sterling Heights Stevenson. So, so uh, take us across the state. So first thing was I went to uh, Raheem, Raheem Anderson's um, signing um, at Cast Tech. Um, and it was, you know, they had put together a really nice thing um, with Cast Tech. They had about seven guys signed. And uh, Raheem, you know, just I've talked about it several times. He's just a true captain. He's a true leader. He kind of pointed out why Michigan was the choice for him. He said, obviously, I love the coaches. I love everything they're doing there. But I also love the university as a whole. And so regardless of the coaches, I was coming to Michigan. And I want to show the coaches that I'm here to make, make a move. I don't want to sit on the bench. I want to make a move. And so he said, I'm coming in plus this class with the mindset of we want to you know, change the culture. We want to make an impact right away. I talked to Andre this morning as well. And you know, the thing that is intriguing, Andre Anthony yeah. was able to, I think, show this season uh, as a return man, as a receiver. 
Uh, I think you you got a better feel for his explosion. I mean, Notre Dame recruited him as a corner for some time. I think it is really uh, noteworthy when you talk about his athletic versatility. Uh, but you know, that was one of the guys I thought that was most in question in this class. And ultimately, I think it was a he grew up a Michigan fan. B, I think he felt the connection with the class. Uh, and this receiver class in particular, Bryce, when you when you think you got the speed guy, the pure speed guy in Xavier Worthy, I think you got the, you know, the physical, you know, sort of the physical guy, uh, you know, the guy that's going to be able to muscle you off the line, make the tough contested catches, has good speed too in Christian Dixon. And then maybe the in-between guy in Andrew Anthony. I think this is a, a receiver core in this class that really complements one another. All three kind of are unique in their own way. You know, Andrew's the in-between guy where he's kind of bigger, 6'2", 175, but he can still really move. Xavier's that speedster where you can put him inside, you can put him outside. Either way, he's going to stretch the field with his speed and athleticism. And then Christian Dixon is your more bigger body, bulkier, kind of Nico Collins type of version of a wideout who can just bully smaller defenders on the outside. So all three complement each other really well. And that's something that Michigan needs in this offense. You know, they got a lot of short, more quicker type of wideouts, but in terms of that versatility and also the high and length, they don't really have that right on the outside with Andre and with Christian Dixon. They're adding two of those elements to the offense. All right. So then after Andre, what was next on the, uh, on the travels schedule? So last but not least, Got to see six foot six, three oh five, Giovanni Ohadi, longest kid who's been committed for two years. Said when I talked to him, he never wavered. He's, you know, at the time, you know, he was hearing from Alabama, Clemson, LSU. Once he committed, you know, his coach said, Listen, are you gonna be a man of your word or are you not? And so he said, I'm a man of my word. And he stuck with that and it showed because he's never wavered. He's enrolling early, and he's a guy that once he comes in. Same thing with Raheem. He's trying to play right away. He's trying to show the coaches, you know, he's trying to learn all the plays. And he's joked with me. He said, I got the playbook today from Coach Ed Warner. And he just <laughs> laughed at how big it was. He's like, this is a lot bigger than my high school playbook. So um, he's a guy that, you know, he's physically impressive. He looks like a grown man. And he looks older than me. He looks probably older than you, Sam. He's only 16, 17. But the guy looks like he's 35 with a couple kids. It's it's pretty impressive. So um, in terms of his game, he's a big, physical, dominant role grader, offensive tackle. He can move people pretty easily. And he's the guy that has versatility. He's going to play tackle. But if Michigan wanted to, they could slide him inside as well. So that also helps with him. All right. So got an update from Steve Lorenz, who will be joining us in about 15 minutes. Said it'll probably be 10 to 15, 10 to 15 for Jade McBurrows to give the word. And to sort of lay things out, it's funny, man. I did an interview with him Monday night, and we must have been talking for five minutes. And, Bryce, I could I could see. So he talked to the Michigan coaches. So it was Harbaugh, Zordich, and Don Brown that he talked to, and I guess it was Sunday. And so I got word after that. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you talk to guys in class circles. I mean, the, the word gets around. You get a feel for um what's happening on these calls right so i knew what happened on the call he had given them uh giving them word that basically he was he was solid he was locked in right so i talked to him monday night and we talked for a good five minutes and he's like man it doesn't matter about the record michigan is always going to be michigan uh you know look it's 
it's it's about the school. It's not about the coaches. When when we talk about speculation, I mean all of these things, where he's like locked into his decision, and so it's like the end of like five and a half minutes in, and then we start talking about coming on the signing day extravaganza Wednesday morning or this morning. You know, can let me lock you in for a time, and he's like, well, I don't know, I don't know what time it's going to be, I don't know when it's going to go, and it just sounded really shaky so i said man hey are you 100 percent sure you're gonna commit to michigan <laughs> and he said i gotta pray on it and i said hold up man <laughs> hold up we just talked for five we just did it we just did an interview if, we, if i had hung up and i didn't try to get you on the show i'm i'm thinking you're locked into this class so i could see how michigan in a zoom session a virtual in-home on sunday i could see how they could talk to him for the entire thing and think that he's cool. He's straight. He's locked in. Clearly he wasn't though. He was wavering. He was praying on it. Uh, Miami being the school pushing the hardest. Miami having a, a really good season. But I, I think that the staying close to home kind of factored into it. Uh, and just a little bit of doubt about, hey, you know, Michigan without these coaches. I think it's that connection, the connection that he's formed with the school over time and the connection that he formed with the class. Bryce, if you go back to mid-November, when we, some years down the line, if, if this class winds up being successful, right, where if J.J. McCarthy balls out and Rob Moore balls out and Jay McBurrows turns into a guy. I mean, these are all guys that came to that dead period visit that weekend, Bryce. And I, I, I don't, I don't, we thought it would be big. We thought it'd be significant. I mean, hell. You also had you also had Damani Jackson and Will Johnson, who we'll talk about here coming up. But you also had them on that visit, Bryce. But we thought it was big at the time. I think as we see, as we saw most of those guys or all those guys stay locked in. And as we see what I think is going to happen with Jaden McBurrows uh, recommitting or affirming his commitment to the University of Michigan, in my opinion, I think that dead period visit weekend will have loomed extremely uh, large in that. So. Michigan's usually good with on-campus just visits, and they didn't get that opportunity with the pandemic. That was something that no school got with, you know, the pandemic. But from that one weekend alone, which was put together by J.J. McCarthy and his family, you could see you could see it just reaped the benefits of just just being on campus and just walking around, chilling with the guys. They all bonded. They all connected. And it was something that not only did they connect, but they also saw a future. And so that's something that I feel like Jaden McBurrows, who committed to Michigan without ever seeing, without ever, you know, checking out the campus except for virtual visits, finally got that experience. And so that's why I was saying when you talk to Jane, uh, Jane Hood, his teammate, for him to now say, hey, I'm coming to Michigan. And again, he's never seen Michigan. Props to the staff. <laughs> yeah, man. Because I, hey. I don't – I. Look, let's, let, so I, I think it's a great point, Bryce. I mean, say what you want. I mean, I know there is a, a big sentiment about who should go, who should stay that whole night. What what no one can say about this staff is that they didn't all work hard to the wire. Now, is it, you know, is it likely that there's going to be um, turnover? I, I think it's virtually certain that there's going to be some turnover. You wouldn't know it by how they recruited this class how hard every one of these guys work despite that uncertainty. I mean, you put yourself in those shoes. You know, it's not just, it's not just the job. It's, it's your family. You're thinking about all that 
and you got to put it all in on on getting these recruits. Uh, and you wouldn't know that there was any uncertainty with any of these guys with the way that they recruited. So I think that is extremely commendable uh, and has helped Michigan secure what I think is as good a class as you could expect, a better class than you should have expected under the circumstances. I don't know how, look, if you were being, you know, if you were being real about it, you were expecting Michigan to lose a bunch of commitments as a result of this uncertainty because Michigan had, they had the opportunity to step forth and say, Hey, this extension is getting done. They didn't do that. Now Harbaugh made it very clear. This is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. I'm Michigan. I want to coach here. This is my, my number one option, uh, if you will. But clearly there is some, uh, you know, there are some some conversations. There are some conversations to be had, some exploration to be done. And by ex- exploration, hey, what are the things that are what are the the issues? You know, is it is it a uh, a per, a personnel issue? Is it is it COVID? Was it just COVID? Or is it more than COVID? You know, is there uh, is there an issue with with transfers or is it just happenstance? Is there a development issue or is it a scouting issue? Is it both? Are there recruiting? I mean, these kind of a deep dive into, you know, anything that may have been a contributing factor to them not living up to expectations. And once you find the answers to those questions, how do you correct them? Is it a philosophical change? Is it staff uh, retooling? Is it both? I think that's the kind of thing when I hear Ward Manuel say we're going to have a we're going to talk about it after the season. I mean, you could dot your I's and cross your T's on the contract last week. Right. I think this is deeper than that, Bryce. Uh, That's why I think it takes time. And then in that time, both sides, even though that's not what Jim Harbaugh is out to do, he is out to be the coach of the University of Michigan. But if Michigan is is sort of pondering its options, then I think it's reasonable to to think (laughs) And legitimate for him to do that, for him to go ahead and and look. All right, so I think the news is in. Jade McBurrows, is that right, Bryce? Is Jade McBurrows in the fold? He's in. Jade McBurrows in the fold. All right, so I had that story already. It was already, it was already, it was already ready. It was just way too, Bryce was just way too release it. You don't want to, you don't want to ruin a kid's announcement. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, no, never. No, but it's a it's a huge, huge, huge piece to the puzzle when you consider how much of a need that position is. Uh, A guy who I think will will contend for playing time off the bat, off the rip. Uh, You know, I think he, you know, size and strength wise. I mean, he's not a a tall guy, but I'm talking about where he is physically. I think he'll be ready to compete right away. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. 
This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. And we're going to ask Steve Lorenz to the mix. Steve, how are you, my friend? Good after or good evening. How are you? What's up, guys? <clears throat> no camera again. <laughs> hey, man, but that's the, a long day. that's the beauty of technology. You can you can be on the mic and, and not necessarily be on camera, which is how this is working. But give us before we start taking questions and folks, if you have recruiting questions, team questions that you want to throw at us, this is going to be our most interactive sort of podcast that we've had because we can actually take your questions live. So start putting those in the uh, in the chat boxes, whether you're Facebook Live, Twitter, YouTube. We can start taking your questions on this class, on future classes, on the current team, and we'll start dialing them up. But that's after we get Steve Lorenz's input. Uh, give us your breakdown of of this 2021 class, Steve. What do you think of Michigan's Hall? I mean, I think all things considered, you know, the context of the situation, I think Michigan finished about as well as they probably could have. Um, I think of the guys that we thought might have been shaky, I think they got the two most important once in McBurrows and Worthy to sign on. Uh, you know, I think Brandon Jennings could be a good player in a certain scheme. Uh, Quentin Somerville, maybe more of like a uh, really needs a niche. I think at the college level, it be interesting to see how UCLA uses a player like him. Uh, but I think Michigan can, if they choose to, you know, go after prospects at those spots still. I think they can find some guys. So, uh, you know, getting McBurrows back was really, really big. Worthy speaks for itself. And then obviously – you know, Donovan Edwards being the big fish. I mean, they've been recruiting him literally for like two years. Uh, so to see that culminate, you know, in a big commitment. And again, you know, within the context of how this season has played out as a Michigan fan, I mean, you should be happy. And not, obviously not happy in the grand scheme right now. Like things aren't good big picture wise. But for today, I think Michigan did about as well as you could have asked them to do. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I can't. I didn't expect it. I'm, I'm being honest with you. I thought they lose more than they lost. Uh, you know, it, it certainly the the compelling argument from other schools. Uh, you know, I, I almost don't call it negative recruiting. I mean, to to me, you know, negative recruiting kind of has a hint of untruth. I, I do think it says something about what your focus is. If you're constantly talking about what the other team doesn't have and what you do to some people, that's negative. That's negative recruiting. Not necessarily to me. Uh, it's kind of an interesting focus, if anything. But what some of these other schools are pointing out, Bryce and Steve was actually legit. Jim Harbaugh is saying that he plan he wants to be here, he plans to be here, and some schools are saying, but yeah, they haven't put the extension on the table for him to sign yet, and that was legit. And it's amazing that they held on to the overwhelming majority of the class despite that, Steve. Yeah, I mean, I don't. If you're telling the truth, it's not really negative, correct? Like you said, there's a little bit of facetiousness or some some fibs in like what negative recruiting really is but what Michigan's been going through is is real you know I mean we've been talking about it the last what what three four five weeks you know and and they really didn't do that the the Harbaugh situation has not been figured out the way we had kind of thought or, or opined that they maybe should you know and I think that adds even more uh like it just it's impressive uh, that they were able to to kind of keep this all together as much as they did. I know the other guy we talked about, you guys, I'm sure you guys, you guys have even talked about him already, is J.J. McCarthy, obviously, right? I mean, it being a huge, huge, huge part of that. Probably more than any single recruit since I've been doing this. Like, I know, Sam, you've been doing it longer. Bryce, I don't know, maybe somebody different. But 
as far as McCarthy goes, not the like rah rah tweeting at guys all the time type deal. Much more of like actually probably legitimately trying to recruit. You know, what I mean? like almost uh, putting on a coach's cap in a lot of ways. And uh, you know, I know with Donovan Edwards, there's just a real real similarity in mindset. You know, and I think again with the context of Michigan where they are right now nationally, just the tough season. I feel like the mindset and a lot with a lot of guys in this class is exactly what the program needs. You know, um, you know, we'll see if it comes to fruition on the field. But I just I think from a mentality standpoint, led by McCarthy, uh, you know, I'd probably say this about the last class too, the 20 class as well. But just I think a different mentality, much more uh, let's go to work type deal. And uh, yeah, no, it's Lemons out of lemon or lemonade out of lemons or however you want to put it. So. Yeah, yeah, now now it gets really interesting to see uh what the what the timeline for this for this extension, for this these extension talks, what they really look like. I mean, uh, you know, if if it's really the end of the season and this is something that could wrap up quickly, I just I, I think that the timeline is more involved than that. This is my opinion. I'm stating my opinion. This is not a report. But I think that in addition to really taking a deep dive into the, the issues that maybe they uh, need to address in the program, uh, because this is a this is an administrator. This is from the admin level coming in and saying, all right, well, we're going to sit down and we're going to find out we're going to do look at this together. You know, explain to me why this didn't work and why that didn't work. All right. Now, how do you fix it? I mean, can you fix that with what you have here or do you need to change something? Do you need to change what you do and how you do it, or do you need to change who's doing it? That is a part of it. But I think another part of it is I, I really think understanding what the options are on, on both sides. And I don't think that's what Jim Harbaugh set out to do. I think Jim Harbaugh, you leave it up to him, man. Let's let's get this done. Let's sign it. Let's sign a deal. I think it's Michigan that's been kind of like, hey, let's you know, let's be more deliberate with this. Let's you know, kind of look at the program and then let's kind of see what the options are as a whole. Now, I don't think that that means that. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh goes to the pros. I think that it means that the timeline will allow for them to understand what, if any, pro options there are. And then, you know, kind of react accordingly. I mean, you know, if it winds up being a uh, an opportunity out there that he really wants to pursue, and I'm not saying that that's going to be the case, but uh, it certainly would, would maybe change the thinking on both sides. I think what will ultimately happen is I just don't – I don't think that the NFL will be – the option that a lot of people are suggesting or predicting it will be. And I think that Michigan, after looking at this, they, they do this deep dive. I think they're going to say, all right, we see, we think we see, we think we understand the changes you need to make. This is what we think you need to do. Now, if you do that, then we're good. Let's make this happen. And let's see if we can get this thing back on track. That's how I think it's going to play out. It, it maybe won't play out on the timeline that people were expecting it to play out on, but I think they eventually get to, extension Steve and Bryce I don't know what you guys think give me your take before we start getting to some questions to be honest I could see this drag into January I feel like if they didn't sign it now they're not in a rush they want to take all their time they want to look at all their options they want to make sure everything with that extension or that contract or whatever is to their thinking on both sides and so they're gonna have done before the signing day I don't feel like they're gonna rush to get done a day later. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's right. He said he didn't think if they were, if they weren't in a rush to get it done before signing day. He has a point, Steve. I mean, that's that's really the time crunch, 
right? If you didn't get it done before signing day, why would you rush to get it done before you understand what the NFL options are? Right. They have the letters now, right? And then the season's over. You know, it was all about the season's over. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it looks like the season is over. Right. Um, so I, I'm not sure. I'm with you as far as like from Harbaugh's standpoint. I think you know more of a let's let's get it done. You know, and Michigan they they're not done trying to recruit this class, right? There are some other guys out there, so I think something's got to be done to give them at least enough time with a few of these remaining guys to kind of say, hey, this is the this is the picture, this is what we're going with moving forward. You know, to not try to catch these guys off guard. Uh, you know, and, and give themselves the best shot to to close even stronger in, in February. All right, so let's start getting to some questions. I'll put them up on the screen here real quick from Jordan Eggleston. So where do they go now? Rooks, Benny. Uh, there's another question along those lines. What are your thoughts on Michigan getting Benny back in the fold? Uh, that is, if you're looking for, you know, maybe options for the late signing period, for those that missed an Oak Park defensive tackle, Rayshon Benny, uh, he did not sign with Michigan State. Now, before he committed to me, you guys, we, we covered this recruitment intensely. We were all over it, right? I mean, even, even Josh Hinchke. <laughs> Josh Hinchke, it's a man. It's football, football beat, yeah. Football recruiting beat, nah, that's not really Josh Hinchke's deal, right? Josh Hinchke is, I go to a basketball game, but I'm not about to be out in the cold watching football. <laughs> but he did it. I don't know if Hinchke's watching. Uh, one of our crew members over at TMI. But he he went out to watch Rayshon Benny, and I remember, uh, I think that was when I was in Florida, and he called me and said, hey, hey, he's wearing Michigan gloves. That's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. He's wearing Michigan gloves. And then he, So he went down to get a picture after the game. He went in the locker room. He said, man, the coaches let me in the locker room. Rayshon Benny was dressed head to toe in Michigan stuff. And when I say head to toe, I mean he even had on the scully. You know, he had on the thermal. That was Michigan head to toe. Michigan. Everything was pointing Michigan. And then the Wolverines dropped that game to Michigan State. One of the worst, I mean, I, that's still, to me, up there with, with App State. I know some people some people say worse than App State. Some people think it's a hyperbole. It was a bad loss for, for the Wolverines, considering uh, you know what that Michigan State team, how depleted they were, and, and what Michigan was coming off of. Now, we've since learned that Michigan isn't that good either. Still, though, you would think they would have had enough to beat that that Michigan State team. I digress. That was when things really seemed to turn um, tangibly. I mean, Michigan State had been making a push already. Mel Tucker had rescued that recruitment. They were done for when Mark D'Antonio was there. He was, you know, Rayshon was like, I mean, he was very, very candid. Like, I remember talking to him. He's like, there's no way I would ever go to Iowa. Look at all those, you know, lawsuits they got going on out there with the players. I'm not how are they going to treat me? I'm not looking at Iowa. I know a lot of people are talking about them. He was not feeling Michigan State under Mark D'Antonio, but that new staff really came in and developed a relationship. But Michigan had the stronger, seemingly the strongest relationship between Sharon and the great job that he had done, you know, kind of connecting with mom. And then Sean Nua, and you can speak to this, Bryce, Rayshon really seemed to, along the way, really seemed to like Nua. So Nua got on Rashawn Benny pretty early in the process. And on top of that, he was the first coach out of any school to hit him up and say, hey, what do you think about playing defensive line? Whereas a lot of schools offered him to play offensive line. So that really took his appeal. And then on top of that, on all of that, Sean Newell just connects with these kids. He seems like, you know, that personality he has, 
charismatic. He's passionate about the school. He's passionate about the defensive line. And a lot of guys just like playing for him. Obviously, right now, a big thing is people want to see the four-star, five-stars defense alignment coming in, and they're not right now. So that's a big hit on him. But at the same time, he's he's not stopping recruiting. He's not stopping working. And this is a kid that Michigan's still very much in the mix for. Michigan's been continuing the contact even before this news of him not signing today, and they still feel like he's got a shot, or they feel like they have a shot to potentially get him back, hopefully, in the fold. Yeah, I, I can't say that I know what it- – what changed Steve to make him not sign a hell, but I don't know what changed to make things go Michigan state's direction. So I guess if things change so abruptly in that direction, who's to say things can't change very abruptly back the other way. This is where the timing kind of actually helps Michigan. You would think Steve, because if he's signing in February, okay, well this coaching situation is settled by then. Uh, You know, you gotta, you gotta think that that was at least a part of the thinking for him initially. You know, because that was when the uncertain talk about the the instability of the coaching staff really stuck, first started ramping up was around the time where where Rayshon was getting ready to make his decision. Now it's obviously fevered pitch. But if he's not going to sign early, if he's not going to sign until February, well, by that time, Michigan should have whoever they're going to have in place in place. So I wonder if he did more research on, like, brand reach, <laughs> maybe. Um <laughs> So, well, so initial reaction, obviously, though, not signing is significant. It always is. It means you're definitely having second thoughts. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, you know, there's been plenty of, I don't know the percentage of guys that actually end up signing with the program they're originally committed to when they, you know, though the early signing period's only been around a few years, but I feel like it's low. You know, if there's nothing, if there's something stopping you now, it's only more doubt is going to creep in, I feel like, as time continues. So, yeah, obviously quietly one of the better pieces of news for Michigan really uh, because he's, you know, he's a tip top target for them. Uh, I have dreams about being asked about Michigan's defensive tackle recruiting at this point. We know how important it is. Uh, it's something we hear about literally every single day. I think I even saw Matt Dudek like literally respond to somebody on Twitter today asking about the defensive tackle recruiting. You know, it's, it's the number one topic we talk about. So a guy like Benny not signing with Michigan state, is uh, pretty significant. And, yeah, the timing, plenty of time now, really. And as far as recruiting goes, two months is an eternity. Uh, so Michigan will have plenty of time to get their ducks in a row, make one last final run at him, and, and, and see where things go. But any time a kid doesn't sign, you know, we talk about Jaden Hood deciding to sign today. You know, I think the consensus would have been if he hadn't signed today, there would have been a real doubt about whether or not he was really going to end up at Michigan. So um, that's just a universal thing, not just that specific deal. But – uh, might be the case with Benny, too. Yeah, we're getting a lot of portal questions. So here's one. Uh, you know, why can't we just shop, go shopping for some transfer candidates? I actually think that's going to be – I think that's going to be a big deal. I mean, and, again, that's not just Michigan. That's that's going to be a big deal, a bigger deal across the college football landscape. I don't know what you guys think, but I think the portal is going to be such a big part of what teams do that they're going to have to – just like you have a recruiting staff, right? I think you're going to have to have at least one guy on staffs now whose focus is is the portal. It's going to be with with as populated as it's going to be moving forward. You almost have to have someone that's keeping an eye on it at all times. So for my opinion on the portal, it's one of those things of where it can be a, not just a Band-Aid, but it can be a full-on patch and seal if you find the right type of guys. You look at Mike Dana, 
the guy that they picked up from Central Michigan, whereas, you know, you wouldn't think he would be much, but a guy who was a top guy at Central Michigan comes to Michigan, makes an impact right away, goes on to be the, a player for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think for Michigan, this was the best-case scenario of how they could have played out. You only lose about two guys. Everyone signs. Everyone, even Jaden Hood signs. That gives you all the time not to worry about, oh, we got to keep working on Jaden Hood till February. You could just focus all your efforts on the transfer portal. And, guys, you can do evaluations on that maybe kind of fell under the radar just because there weren't, you know, summer camps. There wasn't that spring evaluation. And at that point, you can maybe pick up some, you know, late risers and stuff like that. And you can look at the transfer portal. So I think that's a good strategy by Michigan. And then, then I think this is best case scenario. What could happen today? Happen. Yeah. One guy that I think will be intriguing for them is the, uh, the Western Michigan. Yeah. Uh, the Western Michigan guy, Trishon Hayward. Uh, you know, I, I'm here. He's definitely on the radar. Absolutely right. Ann Arbor Skyline, uh, you know, a, a kid who just was a tackling machine, a tackling machine over at Western Michigan, man. I mean, a, a guy who, who went out, uh, I think that he, uh, you know, he wound up having well over, I think it's like a, uh, you know, uh, over 100 tackles, I think they said yeah. last year as he was uh, just all over the field, him being in the portal, uh, him being a guy that's that's coming back home, so to speak, if if the Wolverines are able to get him. I mean, I just pulled up his stats here. Last year, guys, 142 tackles, four and a half sacks, 11 tackles for loss. He was the MAC defensive player of the year, and he's an Ann Arbor Skyline guy. And you're talking about a position, Steve, where it, it, you, know, you saw how, how depth-starved they were when Cameron Grown gets hurt, and, and this is no disrespect intended, but Cameron Grown gets hurt, and the next guy they go to is a walk-on. And that's just, you know, if, if you're Michigan, that ought to tell you where your depth is at certain positions as, as you go to your second string and you're in the walk-on category. And, again, that's not intending any disrespect. It's just laying out how much of a need there is for, of course, the linebackers in this recruiting class. You hope that Jaden Hood and – you know, obviously, you, you look across the line, Tyler McLaurin, you know, uh, Junior Colson. I mean, you look at these guys, you're hoping that they're coming in ready to contribute right away. But if you've got a guy like Tashawn Hayward, who's played at a high level in college football, he's already grizzled. He's already ready to go. I mean, you can just plug and play with a guy like that, Steve. I was going to sign him up, right? I mean, if if that's the kind of guy, you know, an All-American level player, which I believe he was an All-American. Uh, or you, you said Mac defensive player of the year, at least that's the kind of guy. I mean, if he's interested, you at the very least take a strong, strong look at him. If he's interested, let alone the connection there with Ann Arbor and the need, as you, as you talk about, you know, with the walk on being the backup, even though they should be able to play their younger players a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball, but um, either way. Yeah. The, the thing about the portal that's going to be interesting to me is now that it's like sort of like, I guess you call it in the mainstream is it's really just going to kind of become another like recruiting, it's going to be the same as recruiting eventually, you know, where, you're, you know, you're going to get guys that are entering, especially those one year transfer stuff, the free, the free ticket, you know, there, there's going to be situations I feel like where Michigan's going to be recruiting against like a Notre Dame or a Michigan state or an Ohio state, maybe even like for some of these guys. So that's going to be an interesting thing as the portal continues to grow and, and more and more guys leave and you know decide what they want to do. But Hayward, for sure, that was an easily a noteworthy one 
to to see when he when that when that decision was made. But yeah, defensive tackle like they're gonna definitely at least do their evals. And I like what Bryce said. I, something I've mentioned before as well about uh, tat, you don't great defensive tackles don't grow on trees. It's one of the hardest, one of the thinnest positions in the in the country every year. Not to mention the vast majority of elite prospects at defensive tackle are usually from the biggest, the bigger states down south. You know, Georgia, Florida, Texas, out west in California. There's usually a couple. There aren't a ton of them in the Midwest. So, you know, what it'll be interesting to see is if any new names do pop up. If Michigan was able to find a way to eval some guys that maybe didn't get a lot of looks early on, because I think this cycle more than any, you have a better shot of maybe finding a real diamond in the rough because a lot of guys didn't even play a senior season across the country. So they still have options. I mean, don't get me wrong that it's, they got work to do, but uh, you know, I think there are some different options out there for them. So how about this one? Do we know if Pius Ojugo signed? Do we know that since the Michigan commit from River Rouge, a guy that Michigan looked at early in the, in the process, but when COVID hit and it wiped out camps, I mean, Pius Ojugo was a guy that they were really going to look hard at, at camp. He's intriguing as a big, you know, big athletic kid, 6'3", 330 pounds. You know, his his cousin is Ruka Horaho. His cousin is Mario Ojemudia. Uh What's the other Ojemudia that's playing for the, for the Broncos right now? Can't remember his name. He was at Iowa. Uh, Michael? Michael? Yeah, Michael Ojemudia. Yeah, Michael Ojemudia. So yeah. you, have, you have athleticism in the bloodline. You feel like he's going to be a player, but he is extremely raw. So when... When camps were wiped out, that's when you saw them essentially back off of Pius Ojugo. Now, Daniel's asking, will Michigan kick the tires? I don't know if he signed. He did I, not. I just checked. Okay. Central Michigan, he did not sign with Central today. So, I mean, that's intriguing. That, that's an intriguing one, uh, especially when you, you look at the need that they have for size inside. I think they'll look portal first. It's not quite Jonathan Hankins. I remember Jonathan Hankins' recruitment. And I remember Jonathan Hankins coming to camp and <laughs> they they did some one on ones with him. This was I believe Rich was still the coach. Rich Rod was uh, maybe in his first or second year as coach. I think uh, it all runs together. Forgive me. But Jonathan Hankins, they put him through like five straight one on ones. Because, you know, how when you, you guys have been to camps, when a coach wants to see a guy, it's like rep, 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 rep. You keep going. No, no, you, he's not repping out. We want to see you against every guy. They did that with Jonathan Hankins. He must have been about 350 at the time. I mean, he was, you know, he it, it was not in shape Jonathan Hankins, right? So, man, they must have did three reps, and they're looking around. Where, where the hell is Hankins? Man, they went inside Oosterbahn. Jonathan Hankins is sprawled out, on laid on the carpet. I mean, just laid <laughs> out. And at that point, there's no way we're taking Jonathan Hankins. Now, of course, that was a foolish thing to do i guess you gotta on one hand you're saying the guy isn't in shape you're wondering if if you're gonna be able to get him right but he definitely had that that stuff you can't teach that off snap quickness at about 340 350 that it's like hey man yeah if he could do that at 340 350 imagine if you get him down to 330 which is what ohio state said and it was different he goes down to ohio state he's a ball player and a multi-year pro i don't see that it's a different dynamic with pi you know, Jonathan Hankins knew the game. He had played the game. Pius Ojugo is just super raw. He has not really learned the game yet. He's not an, you know, an instinctive player. He had a lot of potential. 
uh, but a, a different challenge with him. Now, you know, great coaching can develop that, right? But uh, it is a it is a gamble still. Different kind of gamble than Jonathan Hankins was, in my opinion, guys. So it, it's, a, it's an interesting one. What do you guys think of this one? Michigan. Will Hart is in the portal. Is that odd to you? They just signed a pretty good kicker punter today. Um, yeah. I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not, but that's another, you know, Tommy Dumont, man. One, I think one of the, like, those are always so, they're always naturally going to be overlooked, but that, he is a guy that they like is one of the best in the country at, at both, I want to say, right? And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's related or not. Interesting, though. I mean, was he was a Ray Guy finalist a couple of years ago, wasn't he? I mean, so we just had Hedge, just posted the story on that, actually. So, yeah, hey, man, look, it's that's how the portal is going to be. I, I, yeah. I think, you know, a lot of this is going to be an interesting part of the portal. All right. A lot of portal work is going to be done before guys get to the portal. And so I just I just talked about a violation, right? What do you mean portal work is going to be done before they get to the portal? That's illegal. You can't do that. Well, you can if you are going through coaches, uh, high school coaches, I should say, if you're going through trainers, you're going through intermediaries, people who can sort of get next to a recruit, be talking to him, you know, seeing what he's thinking, seeing if he's ready to go. So I think post spring ball, whatever spring ball looks like, you know, that's when you're going to see it's going to be a huge rush right after. You know, the semester hits and then there's going to be a a post spring ball push or rush. And I think the work that schools do, and this is why you need a portal guy, in my opinion, because you got to be a little forward thinking. Like if it's me, if it's me and I'm Michigan, a guy and I said this on the podcast, you guys might remember three, four weeks ago. I said, man. All right. And I said it heading into the Penn State game. I'm watching this Penn State game looking at Lance Dixon. I'm looking at Lance Dixon and saying, man, I'm going to kick the tire. I'm just going to see, is is Lance Dixon happy at Penn State? Because he's not. I mean, that's a five-star guy, guys, that's not getting a lot of run. That's a five-star guy that's not getting a lot of run that you can kick the tires on without touching them directly. So I would, if it's me, when I say, you know, you're you're doing portal work before a guy hits the portal, that's an example of what I'm talking about. And that's why I think you need a portal guy and linebacker. I just throw that one out there because I know linebacker is such a position to need. But that's the kind of thing that that I think is going to be very, very important in the weeks and months uh, to come. We got to let's get a couple of more questions in here uh, before we call it a wrap on this live video version of the Michigan Insider podcast. You guys got anything on George Rooks? I had. Brian Doan on earlier this morning he said, man, I just put a pick in. Is that what he said? <laughs> he said, I think it's Penn State. He said, but am I, am I confident? Uh, I, just, I just put a pick in. I, I don't think it's going to be Michigan, right? I think I, think, I suspect no. it would be Penn State or Boston College, uh, yeah. whoever. You know, I think we joked that – I don't know if Drew Kendall committed to, and signed today or not. We joked that they were going to jointly announce when they were going to commit today. Um, like I said, their timelines have been so wacky uh, throughout the recruitment. But as far as Michigan goes with Rooks, no, I don't think so. Definitely gonna end up somewhere else. Yeah, I mean it's that, it's such a tough one to call. I know Bryce, you covered that one extensively. I mean, what, how many timeline, how many decision dates has he had? It's like been like five or six. 
It's 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 a lot. I mean, it just kept getting pushed back each month, and then he kept saying he got closer and closer and closer. And finally, I'm like, you would gotta be off the ledge. I'm like, how close can this ledge be to you know? And uh, George Rux is in that same boat. He's just a guy that you know he I, he seemed on the verge of making decisions several times, never pulled the trigger. And he's the type of kid that I know Michigan hasn't given up on. They really like his sister got her master's degree from Michigan, so there's a connection there. Played but, on a women's basketball team. She did. Mm-hmm. But I, I just I just get that hunch she's going to stay East Coast in terms of Penn State or Boston College right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely we got some uh, some questions on the board before we came in about I mean, people are already talking about next year's uh, recruiting class. I mean, there's a lot to be determined with this staff before you really get thick in that. There are a few guys that, that really stand out as possibilities. And of course, a couple of guys we talked a lot about, and it, it really sticks. They really stick out to me because they continue. They continue to talk about going to school together. They seem determined to do so. They are in frequent contact. And then, you know, it's on a different level, right? I, you guys have been doing this a long time. How many times have you, have you guys heard kids talk about we're going to go to school together? Right? You hear it so often, and it never really it doesn't happen. Yeah, one of the things that that is unique about this, though, is that the kids start talking. Now their dads are connecting. So, you know, dads are are frequently just reaching out to one another, calling one another. Hey, man, what do you think about so-and-so? What do you think? Hey, we're going to come out to Cali and go on a visit to USC. Let's hook up. Who am I talking about? Will Johnson from Gross Point South, a legacy kid, a five-star prospect, a big-time talent. And then you got Damani Jackson, who Steve is, I mean, hell, Steve, you think he might be a top 10 player in this class, right? If he were, if he were in this class and his dad, a diehard Michigan fan, uh, you, you know, and it's since been said that he was, you know, he was really seriously contemplating committing to Michigan when he was on that dead period visit last month. Michigan, I think, benefits from those guys saying they want to go to school together, in my opinion. What do you guys think? I agree. Because of Johnson, more if they're serious about playing with each other, it's still you know I know Will Johnson just visited Ohio State. Uh, I believe did Allen lower his crystal ball confidence a little bit? Um, he did, but I just don't. I, but, I, right, but kept it on Michigan though, right? Yeah. That, I think that's as significant as more significant than anything, uh, because you know how easily or, or how many times we've seen a kid go down to Columbus and come back, and, and the whole recruitment has taken a one eighty, right? So for it to maybe not quite do that. I actually think bodes pretty well for Michigan, particularly because I don't believe he wants to wait super, super long to make a decision. If I, I mean, He's talked about deciding in the spring, right? So if that's the case, how many more is he going to go down there again? Is he going to visit me? You know, it's like these guys aren't able to take many visits right now with the way things are. And, and yeah, I mean, you think about it, if, if he does decide in the spring and it's say it is Michigan, then there you go, right? I mean, you got to feel good about your possibility of getting Damani Mm-hmm. Notwithstanding that you already had a decent chance with him before right. these two guys even talked about playing with each other because of his affin- childhood affinity for Michigan, his dad's affinity to the program. So it's, don't try not to get too ahead of yourself with it, especially if you're a fan, you're following the re- ins and outs of recruiting with this. But uh, yeah, I mean, you talk about, you know, the, one of the better one two combos they could get at any position in, in recent memory. That this would be this would be pretty far up the list. All right, so let's let's wrap it up with a broad brush question, guys, because this is going to be our last podcast until the new year, probably. There's no look, man. We need a break. <laughs> this is this is the grind, man. 
it's a grind. I still got to do the basketball insider tomorrow with uh, with with Tim McCormick. So we are taking uh, next week off of the podcast schedule for sure. Uh, but by the time we come on next, which will be pro- just after the new year, how do you think things will shake out? Do you think there will be uh, Michigan be heading in a different position at head coach? Or do, do you think it'll be Jim with his staff mostly intact? Or the last option, do you think it will be Jim Harbaugh with significant staff changes, starting with you, Bryce Marriage? I'm going to – oh, that's tough. I'm going to go with door three. I'm going to go door three. I'm going to say Jim Harbaugh's significant staff turnover. I think he's he's made that commitment to the the recruits that signed their LOIs. That he had virtual visits with all of them a week before here. And, you know, he talked to them. I left Andrell, Gio, Raheem, all three I went to go see told me the same thing. They said, obviously, he hasn't signed anything. They know that. But when he when they did talk to him about that, he made it clear he wants to be at Michigan. And so I think he's going to make it a point of emphasis, even if the contract isn't what it was four or five years ago, to sign that extension and to try to get Michigan back. I think he knows he's got to make some sort of change. It can't just be the same thing. So I think we're going to see some sort of change. But I think in the end, I just got a feeling Harpo will be back. Steve? Yeah, that's what I was going to say, door number three. Um, maybe some I, maybe some recruiting aimed hires, right? We've talked about that a little yeah. bit. I yeah. think that's a necessity. Yeah. Um, I do think he'll be back. Yeah. I don't know the definition of significant. I'd say multiple maybe changes on the staff. I don't, wouldn't put a necessarily put a number on it, uh, but I do think you'll see some notable changes. And uh, I think for the good, obviously, I think yeah, I think Michigan needs a little more juice on the recruiting trail, uh, maybe on the defensive side of the ball. If we're being honest, so uh, that would be my inclination right now. But I, I do think he'll, that Harbaugh will be back. And uh, with a few changes made. On the yeah, I, I'm I'm right there in the same boat with you guys, uh, that thinking that they will eventually wind up extending. Uh, it won't be quick, in my opinion, uh, like a lot of people want it to be. And why should at this point, what what benefit do you get out of it? I, I think that's the I mean, you, you probably benefit more from taking your time to really take a look at the issues and, and diagnosing the issues, I should say. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, seeing the options that are out there. People say, well, how could Jim Harbaugh want to come back and still look at the options? First of all, let's be clear. I think it's it's obvious, uh, you know, how much he wants to be the head coach of the University of Michigan. But if the other side hasn't made it obvious that they're ready for that to happen yet, uh, then, of course, you have some, you know, you, you owe it to yourself to kind of at least listen to what's out there. And that's my opinion on how things are. I think eventually, though, they get to the point where they come together. Jim Harbaugh continues to be the head coach. Extension is signed. And there are multiple, as you said, Steve, multiple staff changes. And my hope, and I've been very, very bullish on this, is that recruiting is at the forefront of his additions. Not at the absolute expense of, of all other attributes. I say, hey, they need recruiters. And people say, always, you know, you got to be able to coach and develop. Of course, I'm not, you know, saying you hire Zach Smith. Like you hire a guy that only can recruit and is an absolute zero in everything else, right? I'm not saying that. And people don't know who Zach Smith is. He was that Ohio State guy, that guy. Uh, but I'm not saying hire a dude like that. I'm saying if you have the comparison that I've been using, because it's functional here, 
is Bob Shoot, Steve Klinkscale. Now, those aren't the only two guys considered, but those were two. I mean, they hire Bob Shoot, or Jim hire Bob Shoot, and Klink, Steve Klinkscale was another guy that he obviously, as we know, talked to. No one will argue that Steve Klinkscale has a more impressive coaching resume than than Bob Shoup. He doesn't. Bob Shoup has been a head coach. He's, you know, been a court defensive coordinator for longer. He's, you know, he's been a secondary coach for years. He's, you know, he's widely regarded as a really good ball coach, right? Steve Klinkscale is no slouch in that department, though. He's, I think he has the number two secondary and number two uh, pass defense in the SEC right now at Kentucky. That is a recurring theme with their secondaries there uh, at Kentucky. Uh, so he is a good coach, but he is an elite recruiter. So when you when you look at the gap between the two as coaches, maybe you have Shoop here and you have Clink here. But when you talk about recruiters, it's like this. It's like this. I mean, it's not even it's not even Clink is so much more of a recruiter. So that's when I say recruiting at the forefront. That's what I mean. That's what I hope is the focus as Jim retools his staff. That he says, you know what? The a prerequisite for these hires is I want me a dog recruiter. Because and what do I mean? We look at this class. This is a good class, Steve. Is this is it top ten? Did you look at the, the latest rankings? You look. They're at the, right on the. They were right on the borderline. Um, they were tenth after Edwards committed. I'm sure there was some some shuffling there though between like eight and fifteen, but it's a top twelve. I would imagine for sure. Looking right now. Yeah, and so I'm. You know, it's it's not like we're talking like Michigan is a bad recruiting. Of course, of course, Michigan isn't a bad recruiting staff. We just sat here for an hour, over an hour, and espoused the virtues of this recruiting class and the and the uh, big time lands they had at the very end. And I'm looking at them right now, Steve, and I see Michigan right at number 11 uh, in the rankings. But we are talking about the difference between a very good class like this one. Uh, and outstanding under the circumstances when you look at everything they had to battle against. But the difference between being good and being elite. Have you looked at the Ohio State classes right now? Some cool. Michigan fans, some Michigan fans think you can't recruit it. That Michigan can never recruit at that level because because they don't cheat and they don't take academic except as many academic except, exceptions as other schools. I think that that actually sends an opposite. It, it means something totally different. It means that's why you need elite recruiters because you don't cheat because you don't, because you don't take as many academic academic exceptions. That's why you need guys that are more, you know, bulls in the game. If you, if you have those limitations and you, you don't have the, the best of the best, the most elite recruiters, then uh, your, your ceiling is significantly lower. In my opinion, that's why I'm so adamant about it. I'm not ready to concede. Michigan recruiting at a at an elite level, Steve. I'm not saying that I'm definitely right. I'm just saying we haven't seen my formula. We haven't seen Michigan, you know, chock full of, you know, seven, eight elite recruiters on the trail. And let's see what that looks like before we say it doesn't work. That's all I'm saying. They have the money to pay those level of recruiters to come in, too. You know what I mean? It's not as if it's uh, anything like that. Yeah, it's always been. You know, like a handful of guys kind of carrying, uh, sort of carrying the weight. You know, it's like I feel like Sharon Moore is recruiting like 47 guys <laughs> in a class right now. I mean, you talk every, you know, uh, so I think they're, you know, for, for Michigan, maybe top to bottom to be 
a little bit stronger on the recruiting trail, I think is, and yeah, like you said, you could, I think it's, it's very achievable without sacrificing like actual coaching ability. Um, not to mention, uh, yeah, I mean, just getting all around, like you can find all around guys that can do both, you know, and the thing with recruiting, it's like 80% just passion for actually recruiting, you know, and it's like, those are guys that I think Michigan more than capable of finding. They know what one looks like. They've had guys like that on the, the, uh, on the staff, we talked about Sheryl Moore. We yep. said Chris Partridge the same way. You know, it's not like they don't know what that is. You know, and so you I can definitely have a recruiter. You can have an elite recruiter that doesn't cheat. It, we've seen them. To your right. point, absolutely. And so, yeah. And I the the bigger overarching point is, yeah, if you're Michigan, you have to kind of compensate for your shortcomings or the things that you can't do on the recruiting trail. That's why you have to hire the best of the best when it comes to recruiting elite talent because that's going to be the battle. Is convincing them and working them. So yeah, he said. Uh, David Mendenhall said that Jim's contract is lower. He would be able to afford some recruiting. I think that's a, a great point. I think that that's going to be one of the benefits of of uh, an amended contract uh, in the grand scheme of things. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I I agree with this. I think Sharon Moore does deserve a raise <laughs> with the with the recruiting the recruiting work he's done. Absolutely is the case. So, uh, but hey, folks, look. Maybe we'll do it this way. I mean, give us some feedback. Should we do should we do the podcast this way moving forward? You know, with with live user feedback, video stream. Uh if if you like it this way, drop it in the comment section. I'll I'll keep an eye on it. Uh it was an impromptu thing and really it was funny it was about Jaden Hood. Jaden Hood wanted an announcement. He said, you know what, we can work something out for you, young man. We can do a we can do our podcast live, bring you in as a special guest. Boom, you have your announcement. And so here he is officially signed for the Amazing Blue. But if you want to see more like this, we can certainly uh, put this in the rotation. We might even convince Steve to open up his video feed. Maybe. Maybe. Depends on what time of day. It kind of depends on what time of day it is. So we'll have to, we'll have to get the makeup makeup artist in and get me set up here. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, we got a lot more coverage still to come over on the MichiganInsider.com. So many more interviews. We got a lot of. A lot of uh, content from the Donovan Edwards signing this afternoon. Uh, we have uh, our experts chiming in, our signing day superlatives for all of the uh, big-time storylines from signing day. Uh, so much to come. Guys, thanks a lot for joining us tonight on the Michigan Insider Podcast. We'll be back after the new year. Going to take a break, a little bit of a hiatus next week. And then we'll be back in the new year with another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.